Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace, God. Thank you that it's truly you who is with us who guides us, who directs us. God, I pray today that you would speak to us. I pray that your presence would be here. God, truly it's your property to speak to your children. I pray you would speak to us. I pray we'd hear your voice. I pray we'd meet your people. God, I pray that it would be everything we need to get from today, God, we would leave here with. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. We love you. We honor you. We worship you. In Jesus' powerful name, and everybody said... Amen and amen. Why well, we're in part four of the battle belongs to the Lord. I love this series because we get to look through scripture and see so many times where God stepped in and did things that only God can do. How many of you know God has some resources you and I don't have? God has some abilities you and I don't have. God can do things that to you and I go, well, that could never happen, but God. And I think oftentimes as believers, we can get stuck in 2023 and forget the God we serve is the same God who's won battle after battle after battle after battle after battle after battle after battle battle for thousands of years. I want to remind us again today of the God that we serve. That no matter what you're walking through today, no matter what you're walking through this week, no matter what mountain stands in front of you, that the battle truly does belong to the Lord. This is a level you reach as a Christian when you stop fighting God's battles. When you realize, I I can't deal with that. There's nothing I can do. So I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to fret over it. I'm not going to let it create anxiety and frustration in me. I'm going to trust God with what only God can do. How many of you glad we serve a God? I'm so glad we serve a God and not a man. A man has limits. Man has a ceiling. God has no limits and no ceiling. And that's what we get to see today. Exodus 14, 1. Exodus 14, 1. We talked about Moses two weeks ago, and then we're finishing it up with Moses. Many of you know, two weeks ago we talked about Moses, baby. Let me just flash forward of what happened in this time gap. He gets raised in Egypt. How many of you ever seen the Prince of Egypt? Maybe you saw Charlton Heston. You can age yourself if you saw Charlton Heston play Moses. And they raised in Pharaoh's house. Y'all know the story. He kills an Egyptian beating a Jewish servant slave one day. They say, we're going to tell everybody. He runs into the desert. And for 40 years, God is working on Moses in the desert. Maybe you've had some long seasons in life where you've thought, God, when is this season going to be over? 40 years it took God just to prepare Moses for the interaction with the burning bush. Did you hear this? It took him 40 years from the time Moses came into the desert to the time we see this interaction at the burning bush just to prepare Moses' heart to be able to go, okay, yes, God, I'll go. So if it takes you some time, that's okay. We've all been in seasons. We've all journeyed with the Lord. We've all walked through deserts of our life. I'm so grateful that God is patient, and God will keep us in our seasons until we figure them out. Here's how a relationship with the Lord works. The test does not pass until you pass the test. And you can take the test for 40 years in the desert if you want to. But until you learn hard life lessons that God's trying to show you, you will keep circling the same deserts in your life. Moses finds himself circling the desert, and now he has an interaction with the burning bush. The burning bush tells him to go and to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, let my people go. Pulls out the trick stick, throws it on the ground, all the, you know, the miracles. Pharaoh says, no. 
Moses says, but God said we could. And Pharaoh said, but I said, no. So then, you know, the ten plagues start culminating with the tenth, which is the firstborn of every child was killed in Egypt. So now the firstborn of every child has died, and there's a moment of mourning. They get so frustrated. They've been so hurt. Now God has bruised them, and they go, we're not, we don't even care. Just go. Leave us alone. Get away from us. And they send the Israelites out into the desert. Then the Lord, this is where we pick this up. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Piharoth between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from Belzephon. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. So let me just tell you this. If surely there was one Israelite there that was like, time out, God. Are you sure about this plan? You're telling us to go. Most people don't realize this. They didn't like walk and find themselves at the Red Sea. And they were like, oh, shoot. We didn't know this was here. No, they were going someplace else. And God commanded them to go back and pin themselves in between the sea and the Egyptian army. So I don't know if you, I was in the military for four years. I don't know if you know anything about battle strategy. That's not a good battle strategy. That's like a bad battle strategy. And God says, tell them to turn back, pin themselves. They'll think the Israelites are confused. They're trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I'll harden Pharaoh's heart and he'll chase after you. I've planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. How many of you know glory belongs to the Lord? Glory belongs to the Lord. And this is something you see so many times throughout Scripture. I want you to hear this. I have planned this. What'd you plan, God? God planned everything that's about to unfold in this story. And here's what he says. I've planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. God fights battles for us, not for our glory, but for his glory. His glory. Oftentimes we get in battles and we pray like only God can do it. God, please, I need you. God, please, come through. God, if you don't come through, please. And then when he comes through, we like to act like we won the battle. Well, you know, I mean, I just prayed a lot and I made some moves and we're real smart and I just had some conversations and, you know, finally a door opened. No, we need to give God all of the glory for every good thing that takes place in our life. I know me. I don't deserve any of that. I know some of you. Neither do you. (laughs) God deserves all of the glory from our lives. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am Lord. I want you to hear how crazy this is. After all of this takes place, God, why are you doing all this? Why are you pinning us against the sea? Why are you going to put us in this position that's unfair? Why are you going to position us in a place that's scary? Why are you going to let me stand in an area that seems like I'm going to get hurt? Why am I in the middle of this chaos, God? You know what God says? After this, the Egyptians will know that I am Lord. The first great battle of all of our lives is who is Lord? Not who's the friend that you listen to sometimes. Not who do you seek for advice. Not who do you go to for wisdom. No, God establishes himself as Lord. You know what Lord means? Lord means I pick his ways because I serve him. Lord means he gets to tell me to do whatever he wants to do because he's God. Who is Lord of your life? Because until you make him Lord of your life, there will always be areas that are frustrating to you. There's an old preacher saying that they used to say, until he's Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. 
Until he's Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. How do I know if I have a Lord in my life, if that's the God that I serve? Let me tell you a great way you can know where you have a Lord. Who can tell you no? Who in your life can tell you no? When you wake up tomorrow and you want to pick up your phone and look at something you shouldn't, say something you shouldn't, do something you shouldn't, and God says, no, don't do that, do you go, okay, God, I trust you more than me? Who rules your life? Who tells you no? I heard a guy say one time, and it was so good and so true, every time I've chosen my way, I've lived to regret it. Every time I've chosen God's way, I was thankful I did. God's ways are always better than ours. God's not guessing. We go like, yes, you're Lord, but like, I, th- I, th- I think this is a better way. <laughs> yes, I know you're Lord, God, but I don't think you see this. Yes, I know you're Lord, God, but did you really see how they treated me? No, God says, I want to be Lord of all. Who can tell you no in your life? Who's Lord of your life? I love this. People will come to me oftentimes and go, Pastor, tell me what you think about this topic in the Bible. Tell me what you think about this. What are your opinion on this? And many of you have heard me say this many times. I, this is the easiest question anybody can ever ask me. Because my response is the same. If the Bible talks about it, I don't have an opinion on it. God already told you his. My job is to align myself with God's opinion. And guess what? He got a better track record than any of us. So I'm choosing his way over the world's way, over my best ideas, over my friend's thoughts, over what could be good, what might be good. No, I'm choosing God's way. Thank you, Amy. I know you're trying to help me. Okay. People down the street are preaching. They're clapping down there for me at First Baptist. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. I want you to hear this. I'm a parent. Y'all just saw my daughter walk off there. Okay. She was not doing as she was told. Hey, you ever tell your kids, just do what I'm telling you to do? Daddy knows. Well, what about this? But what if I, did you see? Did you remember? I forgot. No. Daddy knows. Daddy got it all taken care of. Just do as you're told. This is what God says. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. It doesn't matter if it makes sense to you sometimes. I want you to hear this. Them doing as they were told didn't make any sense in this scenario. They were like, okay, God, go pin ourselves in between the sea and the people that are coming to kill us. That's the plan. I mean, you know, that plan doesn't make any sense. If you're thinking rationally today, you're having this conversation. That's not God. I mean, surely God wouldn't tell me to go do something foolish like that. I'd, I'd be dead if God told me to do that. Why would I do that? We'd talk ourselves out of listening to God. As they were told, when word reached the king of Egypt, the Israelites had fled. Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away, she asked. he asked. So Pharaoh harnessed this chair, his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased them all the, with all the forces of Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, all his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Piharoth across from Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. You ever have those moments in life, panic moments, something you didn't expect, phone call you never thought you'd get, a betrayal you didn't see coming, and now all of a sudden panic sets in. What am I going to do? We got to have how much by when? What was the doctor's report? They said, what about me? 
This is where they find themselves up against this and they begin to panic. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone and let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. I think this is so amazing. They, they face a battle that all of us face, and it's the battle of their past. Their past is coming out now to get them the thing they thought was behind them, the thing they thought they didn't have to deal with anymore, the thing they thought they'd never see again, now is pressing in on them. And now all the painful parts of their life, all the painful memories they had, all of the painful experiences they experienced are now pressing in against them. And they go, God, why would you do this to us? Why would you bring us into this painful, hard, unfair, seemingly unwinnable situation, God? Can I just be honest with you? Sometimes the things God does doesn't make sense to us. Why would God? God could do anything. Why didn't he kill all the Egyptian army before they left? And then they didn't have to part the Red Sea. Sometimes what God says to us and the things God does don't make sense until the other side of the Red Sea. We have a problem with not understanding the whole plan. And we want to know it all. Okay, God, but if I go there, what are you going to do to save me? And God goes, no, no, just obey me. Yeah, God, but what if I do that and you don't come through? Just obey me. And you know what's amazing? The thought of what if he doesn't is always the thought right before he does. I'm just telling you from somebody who lives this life, we need this much. This has to happen. That person's waiting on a miracle. This person, right before God, are you really going to do this? Is right when God shows up most of the time. This is them. Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. You know what's so interesting? I've always thought this is wild. They were enslaved for 400 years. If you were enslaved for 400 years, since I was a young kid, I've heard this story and thought, why didn't they just leave? Why didn't they just go like, well, we'll run into the desert and go ourselves? If there were so many of them, why didn't they just all leave one time? After studying this for many years, I personally don't believe the Egyptians were enslaving the Israelites like our understanding of slavery. You know, a bunch of workers and people beating them, and I'm sure some of that took place, but I don't think that was the slavery mindset. It's very hard to keep mass amounts of people enslaved like that for 400 years. You know the slavery I think they were under? Egypt was the mecca of the financial world. Egypt was everything. Everyone wanted to be in Egypt. Egypt was the cultural kingdom of the world, the financial kingdom of the world, the spiritual kingdom of the world. All of those things were taking place in Egypt. I don't think they were enslaved like we think slavery. I think they were enslaved by debt. I think they were enslaved by rule. I think they were enslaved by what they were allowed to do and not do. I think they were enslaved by all of the things that held them bound to not being able to go out and see God do amazing things in their life. Hey, we can fall into the same comforts today in America in 2023. We can fall into the exact same comforts of slavery. Yeah, but that's just how it is. Yeah, but this is okay. No, I know they said we can't, but this is... And God is looking for people who raise up and go, no, 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 I'm not going to live a life of slavery anymore. God created me to be free. Let us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptian. Can I ask you a question? Is there areas in your life that you've become comfortable being enslaved to? You just become a comfortable slave to them. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all have those areas. I'm asking myself these questions when I write that. Is there areas I've become a comfortable slave in my life? 
habits that I used to go, no, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, and now it's just part of what I do and who I am. Things I used to go, man, I never want to be like that, but the more I got like that, it was just kind of like, well, I guess this is just what happens. Have I become enslaved in areas of my life and comfortable with them? Because the comfort of slavery will always keep me out of the desert of opportunity. The comfort of slavery will always keep me out of the desert of opportunity. This is where there are, leave us alone. We want to stay in Egypt. We liked it better in Egypt. And you get to see in this moment why they had to wander for 40 years in the desert after this. There's a process that takes place here, and I love it because we've really modeled after our, our systems after what takes place right here with the Israelite children. You've heard me say it many times. We tell people, know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. That's where this comes from. First, people had to know God. God called them out of Egypt. Hey, I'm going to be your Lord. I'm going to lead you to the promised land. There's more for you. You were made for a life more than slavery. First, he calls them out of Egypt. But how many of you know after 400 years of them being in Egypt, they had some Egypt inside of them now. So God had to spend 40 years in the desert getting Egypt out of them. First, he took them out of Egypt. That was knowing God. Then he had to take Egypt out of them. That's finding freedom. Then they went to the promised land. They discovered their purpose. They fought for it, took it over, and now they have the promised land where they're making a difference. Finding freedom, coming out of Egypt. Sorry, knowing God, coming out of Egypt, finding freedom, getting Egypt out of you. How many of you know you can't look the same in Egypt and in the desert? This is why God had them wander for 40 years. Because everything that looked like Egypt had to die in the desert. So that they could go into the promised land without Egypt attached to them. Can I just be honest with you? There's some Egypt God wants to cut off of your life today. There's Egypt God wants to cut off of my life today. Each and every one of us have these things that look more like the world than they do like heaven. And God goes, the goal is that when people encounter you, see you, get around you, not that they see you, but that they see Jesus. That what they taste isn't you, it's Jesus. That they don't get little remnants of Egypt, they get Jesus. But until we allow God to pull Egypt out of us, we're just wandering in a desert with our problems. We're just wandering in a desert with our own slavery wishes and our own sin that we hold on to. No, we've got to change. We can't act the same way. We can't worry the same way. We can't stress the same way. This is why small groups are so huge. We're about to start small groups summer semester. I encourage you, jump into them. This is where you find freedom. It's in small groups. You don't find freedom in church on Sunday morning. This is awesome. And hopefully when you're here, you feel encouraged and refreshed. And you go, man, I feel like I connected with people and heard from God. You find freedom in small groups during the week when you're hanging out with people. And after a few weeks of hanging out with them, you go, hey, man, I heard you say you dealt with that issue one time. And and I, I got that issue too. I need help. I've been trying to figure this out, man. I just keep messing up and I just can't get it. Would you help me? All of a sudden we find freedom. Confess your sins to one another, the Bible says, so that you will be healed. When we do that, we begin to walk in freedom in our lives. I can't walk with Christ and look like I did in Egypt. I've got to look different. And listen to me, it's not, I want to help you today. It's not, well, is it the things that I'm doing? It's the mindset you have. This is not a things thing. This is a mindset thing. God, I want to look more like you than the world. So guess what? When I come up to a mountain that seems unmovable, when the rest of the world is telling me how big the mountain is and why it can't happen and how it's going to be impossible and what it would take to do it and why we can't do it, I start telling the mountain about how big my God is. You don't know what God's capable of. You don't know how awesome He is. You don't know what He can provide. You don't know what He's about to do. 
Hey, we've got to be people that don't get stuck in desert mindsets and Egypt mindsets, but that we press in to what God has for us. Can't worry the same way. We can't get to those walls in our life and sit there and fret and worry. God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to take my... God, how am I... All worry is is negative meditation. So whenever you begin to worry, let me help you out. Begin to meditate on God's promises instead of meditating on your worries. So instead of, man, I don't know how I'm going to pay that bill next week and it's coming and I really don't know how we're going to do that. I begin to say, God, your word says you clothe the flowers of the field and the birds of the air. How much more are you going to care for me? God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you've never failed me and I know you'll take care of me now too. How much more? That's what I'm going to meditate on. God, if you'll clothe the flowers of the field and the birds of the air, how much more will you care for your children whom you love? I begin to meditate on how much more, how much more, how much more. God, thank you for how much more you're going to take care of me. Thank you for how much more. And when worries come, but what about this thing? God's going to care for me because he cares for me so much more than I could ever even imagine. I begin to meditate on God's promises. When God's promises become more true to you than the reality of the Egypt you live in, you get to go into the promised land. But you hear what I just said. When God's promises become more of a reality than the Egypt you came out of, you get to go into the promised land. Because in order to get into the promised land, they had to do some different things. They had to fight giants. They had to fight some people that were 36 feet tall. They had to go in and fight armies. There was no way that they could defeat. But they learned in the desert, if God's with us here, God will be with us there. And when they got to the promised land, they learned the lesson. They had to learn the lesson of, I, I can't act the same way. I've got to have a different mindset. Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Your job when you encounter mountains and battles in your life that you can't fix is not to fret, it's to rest in peace. It's to rest in peace. It's to stand there knowing, God, you know what's before me. God, you know the resources and things that I have. God, you know what I'm capable of. I'm not capable of this, God. Only you are, which means I'm going to trust you entirely to do what only you can do. It's a tension that we see the Israelites live with right here. Don't be afraid. Just stay. The Lord will rescue you. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. (laughs) Don't you love God? God's like, yo, I got this all taken care of. You trust me. Go pin yourselves between the sea and the army and get ready. And they're like, Okay, we're here. We're all about to die. What are we going to do now? God's like, well, why are y'all talking to me? I don't know. Just walk through the ocean. God, what do you mean? Walk through the ocean. Just stay calm. The Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Because you know what the truth is? God will do what only he can do, but you've got to do what only you can do too. God's not going to make you trust him. God's not going to make you meditate on his promises and purposes for your life. God's not going to make you get out of bed and proclaim his word over your life. God's not going to make you get in the mirror with those 40 IMs and proclaim them so you know who you are more than what the world tells you you are. God's not going to do any of that stuff for you. You've got to do that stuff. God does the impossible stuff. God moves the mountains you come to and you go, there's no way we can do this. And God goes, perfect, but you've been obeying me and you've been in line with me and you're ready for me to do something amazing. Watch what I do. This is where the Israelites find themselves in this tension of God. There's something in front of us we can't do, but you're calling us to do it. You're telling us to walk, but there's an ocean right in front of us, God. 
Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea, Moses. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. You see what God's after? His glory again. My great glory. I wonder what it would look like if we just gave God glory for every area of our life that looked good. For every part of our life that people said, wow, you're really good at that. If we just said, no, no, that's God. That's like all God. Hey, man, I love watching you. No, no, that's God. That's God. I think sometimes we take God's glory. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out? Walk through there. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, his charioteers. My glory is displayed through them. All Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moves. This is... We're as stupid as them. Like, is it? They have a pillar of fire and an angel following them for the last three days. And then they get to this and they're like, oh God, what are we going to do? Maybe the giant angel following you guys will be able to help somehow. Like, you guys ever just stop and think about how we're that same way? God, how am I ever going to get through this? And God's like, maybe the last 47 times I got you through these things. Maybe like that. I don't know. Maybe how you didn't think you were going to get through this other thing and then I showed up and you did. And remember that time? No, I forgot that time entirely. That's what happens with most of us when we get into difficult, painful situations. We forget the past. We forget that God's already done it many times. All of Egypt will see my glory and know that I'm the Lord. Then the angel of the God stood behind them and moved to the rear of the camp. The cloud settled between the Egyptians and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on both sides. I want you to think of this for a moment. Walls of water on both sides. There was two experiences. Pastor Tim Keller, who just passed away last week, a giant in the body of Christ, used to say this. There was two experiences that day. When the waters parted and people walked through with walls of water on both sides. Two different experiences people had. There was one person that walked through it like this. Look how awesome our God is. Look how amazing he is. Look at what he did for us. Can you believe this? If he did this, what can't he do? This is unbelievable. And then there was the other person having another experience which looked like this. God, we're going to die. These walls of water are going to collapse on us. I got sin in my heart. God, I know the water's going to fall on me. What if I'm the last person? I don't want to be the last person, God. When the water closes right when I get to the beach. You know, it's funny. We, we live life that same way. God, how am I going to? Oh, God, what if this is? Adam, did you see God? Are you sure, God? Did you know that? Watch out for God, what if? You know what that is? That's you trying to be God. That's you trying to be God. God's already done the amazing. God's already done the miraculous. Our job's to walk in it. They walked through it on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Hey, can I ask you a question? Which one of those two people are you in life? When the battles of life rage, do you find yourself going, Oh God, how in the world are we going to do this? Do you find yourself going, No, no, no. The God I serve is capable of getting me through anything. No, I know this seems hard, but you don't know my God. No, I know this seems big, but if you only knew what God could do. 
No, I know this seems impossible, but let me tell you about a time. Each and every one of us have that same choice every week to be one of those two people. Then the Egyptians, all the Pharaoh's horses, chariots, charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, made their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them, and he's against us. How many of you would love to have that on your side? When you walk into a meeting this week, everybody goes, time out, the Lord's with him, and he's fighting against us. You win. Whatever. the way, You get to decide how much money you make. <laughs> Come on. Don't you wish God was on your side like that? That you just walk right into battles and people would go, man, God is fighting for them. You know what they had to do to get that? Walk into the ocean before the water started. It's great to have God fight for you, but they had to take a step still before that happened. God goes, walk in there. What are you waiting on? God, what do you mean? God, if I walk in there, I'm going to drown. Are you? Are you if I've called you to do it? Are you if I told you to do it? Are you if I already orchestrated that you're going to do it? Are you if I'm the one that told you I'd go before you? And here's how life works with God. God will let us live on the tension of taking a step in or staying on the shore. He'll let you live there. God's never going to push you in. God's never going to make you jump into his promises and purposes. God's never going to make you trust him in difficult circumstances. He will let you stay right here and go, God, I don't know, God. I don't know, God. Until you finally find the courage to go, okay, God. And then the sea parts. And then you go, oh, my God. It's not until I start operating in faith that God starts working on my behalf. I can't stand there like, I'll go when it opens. No, God says, go and watch me open it. So you can argue with God or you can follow how he works. It's up to you. That would have been a great time to clap. I mean, I would have clapped if I was sitting there, but it doesn't matter. I was like, I just thought that was really good. I don't have much really good stuff in here. I'm trying to... Hey, when all the Israelites had reached the other side... The Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and their charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh, all of the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea. Once you hear this, all of the problems, all of the trials, all of the fear, all the things they were scared about, all of the past coming back to get them all of that bad news that was going to drop all of that what if this happens not a single one survived but the people of israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides that is how the lord rescued israel from the hand of the egyptians that day and the israelites saw the bodies of the egyptians washed up on the seashore As I close, I want you to think this. All of the things they feared, all of their worst nightmares, all of their troubles and torments and what's going to happen if is now floating on the other side of the ocean dead. You know how many of those people they killed? Zero. Zero. That day there was no Israelite that drew his sword. That day there was no one going, I'll stand back here and just wait to make sure. No, on that day, God stood up and said, I will fight for you. People are going to see the God you serve. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, 
I want you to get this. They were filled with awe before him. And they put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. I love this. When they saw, I, I'm just, I got convicted when I read this and I just thought, God, don't let me have to wait till I see you do something amazing to be filled with awe of who you are. God, I don't want to wait until you do something so amazing in my life that then I go, oh my God, God, you're so amazing. No, like today I want to wake up and go, God, you're amazing because you filled my breath with lungs, my lungs with breath today. God, you're amazing because you, you let me get here safe. God, you're amazing because today I'm healthy and whole. God, you're amazing because you've already done amazing things. You're amazing, God, and I stand in awe of who you are. Not for what you can do for me. In awe of who you are. Hey, when's the last time you just stopped and took in the awe of God? Do you realize that each and every one of you are, are a miracle? You're, you're a gift. What you had to do to be sitting where you are today, the hundreds of thousands of other little sperms you had to beat out to be you, the doctors and astronauts you outran to, to be doing whatever you're doing today. Hey, and then God saved you. God spared your life. God's kept you every day that you've been on this earth so that you could walk into this church today and sit in the chairs you're sitting in. It was a miracle that those chairs are there, I promise. <laughs> it's a miracle this building's here, I promise. I am in awe of who God is and what God is doing. And when you realize that, it's not, it has nothing to do with you. We can't take any credit for what God does. It is all and only God. And when we live that way, we get to battles and mountains in our life and all of a sudden they begin to look small because you're focused on the God you serve. I encourage you this week, let's switch our mindsets. Next week is going to be the first week of the sixth month of the year. Every month I tell you at the beginning of the month, this will be the best year of your life if it's the best year spiritually. You're in month six, you're halfway there. What if this month you said, I'm going to see obstacles differently. When I encounter anxiety-inducing, frustrating things that I don't know how I'm going to get over them, I'm going to rest and trust that God is already working on my behalf. I'm not going to lay in bed and fret at night. You know how many sleepless nights have ever helped God do what He was going to do? None. Hey, it's amazing. I've tossed and turned many a nights needing things. God, how is this going to happen? What if it doesn't happen? What if the... Only to go, man, I've wasted a lot of time worrying. God, you already had that. God, you already had cared for that. God, you already saw that. What does it look like to let God fight our battles? It looks like being in awe of who God is. It looks like trusting in more of who He is than in what you see with your own eyes. Because I want you to understand the tension that had to take place this day. They had to override what their eyes saw. They had to override what their eyes saw. You understand this, right? They were standing there in front of an impossible sea, and they had to go, okay, but we think God can. Sometimes people just go, like, yeah, but if you just saw what I see, it's just... No, no, no. It's not about what you see. It's about what you know and who you know. So when you see that, you've got to elevate and go, what I see is not what God sees. The building in front of me is not in front of God. The roadblock in front of me is not in front of God. God, I can trust and put my faith that even though my eyes see something different, I know your spirit is working on my behalf. There is no greater moment 
For a believer, then when you see that, and when you step in that, and you see God do it, let me help you. You're going to do that this week. Here's what the devil's going to tell you. But what if he doesn't? And then I want you to hear my voice. He always does. But what if this is the one time? It won't be. But what if something happens? He never fails. But what if I don't? No, God has a plan. God's way is going to come through. God, I'm resting on you. I'm putting my trust in you. I'm seeing you, God, and not what's in front of me because I know when I do that, you're capable of doing anything. What if we changed our mindset this week? The battles standing in front of us weren't battles, but they were opportunities for God to show you how much he loves you, how much he can do on your behalf. So that on the other side, you also will look back and see the bodies of the things that used to keep you up at night, used to plague you, used to worry you, used to induce anxiety. And you'll go, God, I didn't have to worry a single day. You had it all taken care of. God, you had some this morning. God, today we're so grateful that you truly do see more. You see before. You see things we can't see, God. We're so grateful that you are a protector, a provider. God, you're working in and on our behalf even when we don't see it or don't realize it. Thank you, God. God, forgive us for the times we've put more credence in what we see than in what you've said. God, let us trust you at your word. Let us walk in obedience to you every day of our life. Let us watch you part the Red Seas that only you can part, God. Forgive us, God, for the areas we've lived enslaved to where we've been more comfortable in Egypt than we have on the shore of the Red Sea. God, we don't want to live in a place of comfort. We want to live on the shore of miraculous. God, we want to see all that you can do in our lives. Today, God, we repent for the areas that we've held on to, areas of our flesh, areas of Egypt you want to pull out of us. God, today I pray that you would do it. That you'd put your hand on those areas of our hearts. And God, we commit to just lay it down, whatever it is you want from us, because we trust your way over our way. We trust your track record over our track record. God, thank you. Thank you that you are a good God longs to care for your children. You may be here today and you may say, Pastor Christian, that sounds awesome, but man, I've never started that relationship with Jesus. I've experienced church or I've experienced religion, but I've never encountered a genuine relationship with the creator of the universe, not based off of what I can do or if I can perform for him, simply based off of his sacrifice on the cross for me and my need for him. If that's you today and you say, Christian, man, I want to start that journey. I've, I've never done that. I'm not going to ask you to come up here or do anything crazy. I simply want to pray for you right where you're at. But if that's you and you say, today, Christian, I want to start that journey, would you pray with me? Would you just slip your hands up right where you are so we can pray together today? Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. And at Valley Rise, we all pray this together. So you can pray it out loud. You can say it under your breath. You can pray it in your heart. As long as you mean it is what we ask. Would you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, today... I recognize my need for you. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. You came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life. A life I never could have lived. But you did it so that I wouldn't have to. And Jesus, I believe you went to the cross to pay for my sin bill so that I wouldn't have to. Thank you, Jesus. I receive your gift. And in Jesus, I believe on the third day that you rose from the grave to give me new life, hope, and freedom. Today, Jesus, I choose you. 
I choose to love you. I choose to serve you. I choose to seek you all the days of my life. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Would you give a hand to those who just made the greatest decision of their lives? Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.